Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative Live. It is officially the end of the Republican National Convention Week, which is a relief to all of us, I'm sure, because it's been lots of late nights, too many late nights. Um, Welcome, guys. LB's here, our very special guest. Hi. Noel Kessler's here, and Eric Garland, and Greg Oliar is here. Nice to have you guys with us today. you know, I don't know what your guys' thoughts were. It felt like they were not running very much new at the convention this week. Uh, the same, same slogan, make America great again. Um, and pretty much the same uh, policies with a little bit of amped up fear and loathing. Um, what is your takeaway, uh, Noel? You, you know Donald Trump pretty well. Uh, what was your takeaway? Yeah, I mean, it was the same thing. You know, it was a MAGA rally with a little more cocaine and a little more, you know, VIP access, it seemed like, you know? <laughs> And it was exhausting to watch it. You know, I was clean shaven on Monday, and you know, just a couple of days. <laughs> last night was Agony. took a long time. I mean, he he was yeah. droning on at the end, and just droning on. And I don't know what he sounds like on a, on a daily basis, but he he certainly sounded very, uh, you know, at, at least at that time of the night, quite sleepy. Yeah, that's yeah. very late for him. I tried to warn people on Twitter. I mean, he's. A- <laughs> Exactly. He's a sundowner. You know, I mean, we would be done. Uh, oh, really? You get, you get, yeah, you get an hour work? of work out of him. He, he doesn't work. He doesn't work. He gets up at 10 o'clock about, he watches TV, <laughs> watches the remnants of Fox and Friends, and then, and then. That's it. That's it? Exactly. He has the meatloaf hour. He always has to have meatloaf. That's his <laughs> dinner, like his regular Wait, thing. And what? What? Wait, what? Wait a minute. Yeah, they call it the <laughs> meatloaf hour. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So if you're if you're taping with him, you're gonna run up against the meatloaf hour, which is like six o'clock, six to seven. He has to eat meatloaf no matter what you're doing, you know, or a cheeseburger or something. He has to have his dinner. Now the He's other person that you know who's very, I mean, you know, a lot of the people who were involved yesterday. You know, uh, uh, Ivanka yeah. pretty well. You know Eric Trump very well. You know uh, Don Jr. as well, and then uh, you know Melania, right? I presume I'm I naming do. all the right people. But you also know uh, Mark Brunette, who is the executive producer of the broadcast. Uh, tell us a little bit more about how you know Mark and and how long you've known him and and what impact he had on the broadcast yesterday. Well, I've known that was all Mark. I mean, he sent his his producers, which weren't really you know. They were like B-list guys that would get his coffee and they got a credit as being producers, the people that were involved this week. But, you know, it was very, I've known him, you know, since the mid 2000s, since I started working on Celebrity Apprentice. And that was all Mark Burnett. I mean, it was a continuation of when Trump was elected, Mark approached him with an idea that they would take him from Trump Tower down to the White House on the back of a motorcycle. He wanted to have a gang of motorcycle. Uh, This is a true story. I'm not lying. He wanted to have motorcycle, like, you know, escort of bikers bring him down to the White House. And he was talked out of it. Trump was talked out of it. But... You know, so that was all Mark Burnett. And, and you could tell it was a television production because, you know, that that re- revamping of the Rose Garden sort of came out of the blue, you know. Well, so but, 
besides sure. an opportunity to, to sort of grift a little more money, they were clearly taking those trees out for a crane shot. That long walk of Melania down the hallways and stuff, you couldn't have done that in the Rose Garden as it existed six months ago. If you look here, this is the Rose Garden as it was, and then right. on the right is what it looks like now. So it doesn't look like they've done actually very much. They've sort of have added this walkway which I think must be for a crane, right? I mean, it must exactly. be because they want to get a crane up and down there. Otherwise, for a TV production perspective, there's no even area to, to put a crane somewhere else. Uh, exactly. It looked like a lot of the shots came from there. And then on the right-hand side, it looks like they've taken away yep. some of these great uh, rose uh, I mean, they must be, well, they're not rose trees. They're uh, crab apple. Tree. Yeah, yeah. Tree. It's so, like the crab apple, yeah. So that's so she, we can see her walking, I think, was the point behind that. Because she took this long, right. strident walk all the way down uh, under those, uh, to that portico, uh, and at the start of her talk, and it was captured by that crane. So I think that whole right. renovation, it seems to me like you're absolutely correct, was all about allowing the crane to be there and allowing the stage to be there and allowing her to walk down that, uh, that walk. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's what it was. You can see it clearly in that picture. They just pushed a jib right down that thing at the pace of her walking and got the shot. Yep. That's exactly how you That's do right. it. If yeah. you were shooting a TV show, I mean, uh, the pageantry of the event certainly felt like there was a lot of uh, uh, the, the big jib shots that he's famous for. We got to see the White House in a, in a grand way. I really thought yeah. there was a lot, a lot there that was very impressively done. That was such an abomination. The uh, what they did uh, broadcasting that what the hell was that? I don't know that pageant, the Trump pageant show. Um, from our house, from the White House. And we can mm -hmm. get into all that. Everyone is even a little bit informed. It understands what they were violating by doing that. Um, and that these people, don't, they don't care. This family doesn't care, right? No. But I want everyone to take a minute and really hear what Noel just said. There's even reporting on this. It is Mark Burnett putting this on. You cannot have these fascist family run regimes at this level at, for the at the level of the United States without major propagandists professional propagandists people who come in with skill sets and power and money and ability and can pull off that kind of pageantry and in in our town we still and Knowles in on, on the New York side of this I'm on the west coast side of this this man Mark Burnett is still completely coddled, completely coddled by our town. They can continue to, to prop him up. They continue to buy from him. He, he keeps producing shows. He owns and runs MGM. They're still doing output deals with different producers. They're still hooked into doing distribution with, with larger studios as well. This is an abomination that this man is still flying high. It is. At the top of our society and at the top of our industry, he should be shunned forever, forever you know, it's, it's, for it, what he is doing. He actually f constructed the entire myth that is Donald Trump. I mean, if you remember correctly, yes, Donald Trump did. was not as rich. You were telling yep. us this last time you were here, Noel, that, you know, wasn't as rich or at least didn't uh, live the lifestyle that he lives in the show, The Apprentice, that they kept having to dress up his offices and his, um, and his, even in editing, I think they were told to make sure that all the, the non-rich stuff was sort of cut out and that he was, yeah. he was made to look more affluent than he was. And that literally is the definition of a creation of a myth. And for 14 years, right? I mean, that was on the air for a long time. Well, while he was creating the myth, you know, when he came in, they had to rent furniture for his offices to make him look wealthy. 
you know, and he had like the least helicopter with his name on it. So they put Trump in the helicopter and shot all the B-roll of him surveying the city like he owned it. But the thing is, while he was creating that myth and the crew was creating it, Mark was exposed to who Donald Trump really was. You know, he was using the N-word, as I told you last time, with impunity in front of, you know, he was saying the N-word and the, he would say spick, you know, in front of obviously Latin, like sound guys and stuff. So yeah. he was he, he was doing all this boorish stuff. So Mark wasn't only creating a false image, he was cleansing the personality and packaging it to middle America. Whereas if he was a true reality show, people would have watched it, but they would have watched it to see what a racist idiot Donald Trump was and how he was really broke and not really a billionaire. And another producer would have been happy to go in that direction because that would have been ratings gold too. Mm. But Trump, I mean, Burnett rather had an ulterior motive with Russia and Putin, like let's make this guy into a, a worthy commodity as an asset for perhaps what we're seeing now. I'm really interested in that because, I mean, he was really connected to Putin, right? I mean, there were two instances he tried to do shows for the Russians. One was called Destination Mir, and the other one was called, well, the other one was a show attempting to do like a a, a reality show around Putin himself, an outdoor reality show um, around Putin himself. I mean, that's not, you know, getting access to Putin is not easy, presumably. No. And uh, getting two shows like that, that's supposed to be pretty hard to get approval for. Get Can Eric, I quickly spice explain that? Please. Yeah, please. Um, do, do you know somebody who works for a KGB officer producing propaganda? You know who that is? What we call that? Uh, wow. that's, that, that's an agent or a spy of some, right. of, of some form. <laughs> if you got to consider having Tom Arnold. Tom's a friend of mine. He knows Mark better than anybody I know in that town. Mark was on his way to South America, you know, he was like a British, you know, special forces guy who was going to a colony in South America to kill black people, you know, which is to kill my, which is what they were doing in the early nineties and stuff. He was part of, see, Eric, you gotta have, you gotta have Tom on. He knows the details, but I remember- Mark Burnett was was on his way as part of the British- He was um, on his way to be a a British, you know, he was a British special forces guy who was on his way to South America, got off the plane in LA, decided it would be better to make it in LA than to go in the jungle, you know, fighting for the, the, the wanting, you know, British empire and became a nanny. He was like a male nanny in Malibu. And that's how he started his- He went to his fort in the Falklands, right? Didn't you say he's fought in the Falklands earlier? But but, and he was on his way back to do some sort of like underhanded kind of like military operation. I'm not an expert on this. Tom, Tom has literally gotten a fist fight with the guy at the Emmys last year. Tom is your man to go. Right. I'm telling you, Tom is a great, he knows it all. Cause he, he, he knows Mark's number. Mark, Mark was begging Tom. And so was, he knows Donald Trump too, very well. And he's mm. got great anecdotes of taking Donald to the Playboy mansion and stuff and taking Eric to, to Hawaii to try to get him sober. Cause Trump had disowned Eric Trump at one point Donald had, you know, so you got to have you got to have Tom on here. Well, that we definitely will. Um, yeah. you, the things you're looking at on the in the middle screen here is is an article about the Destination Mir show, which was a was going to be a show about their space station, I guess, about the Russian space mm-hmm. station. And then the other one is him uh, uh, pursuing this reality show in 2015, which I thought the timing was really interesting. I didn't realize it was that late. So this was about the time that uh, I guess Trump was starting to think about running for 
uh, for, right. for the presidency. So, and he's at that time, he's in contact with Putin at that time. Hell this of like a back Just channel. before he runs hell, the inauguration production. Channel. I mean, that's a that's hell of a right. back channel. In fact, it almost feels like, I, I, I might be guessing here, uh, but it feels like maybe uh, Burnett talked to Putin about um, Trump being a president, uh, running as president before. It feels like that's maybe the origin of a conversation, could be. Exactly, and and I'll say this and I'll shut up. When I worked on The Celebrity Apprentice, Felix Sater had Trump Organization business cards. Right. Felix Sater was the guy who put Ivanka in Putin, Putin's chair behind mm -hmm. his desk in the Kremlin desk. when she was trying yep. to build Trump Tower. So there was a couple people involved, but Mark was the glue that sort of made all these worlds connect and gave it a wash of legitimacy Tom Barack came in with some Hollywood money. They but, are friends. Right. They right. Are but friends. I mean, and, and I, I make this one point and I'll shut up. But like Trump, Trump follows 47 people on Twitter. Okay. Mm -hmm. Two of those people are Mark Burnett and his wife, who's blocked me, Roma Downey. Blocked oh, wow. by an angel. Oh, she blocked but, me uh, too. She blocked me yeah. too. Blocked by an angel. Club. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! They, I, I, listen, there's a lot of nervous people in a little Malibu clique. Every time I come on here, we start talking about this subject. Mm -hmm. So we we spoke about uh, the people not getting anything new. There was no new slogan, but the uh, the the women of the Trump family got nice new dresses. All of them. Look at that. They had very oh, very expensive gosh. outfits all week long. Uh, this last one on the green mm. the green one we had was three thousand dollars for the dress. Uh, <sighs> but let's go through some of them. So uh, this is the uh, this is the military look that she wore on her first speech. That was a pretty good speech that she made. I Who's thought. military, Eric? Who's military, Greg? Who's military might that be? Doesn't look like ours. Doesn't look like ours. It doesn't it look like ours. Matches, matches Fidel Castro pretty well. It does. It has like it a Che Guevara kind of feel to it. Yeah. And I know many of you mm -hmm. will be wanting to wear it uh, you know, wearing a look like this, at least. Now, how for, do I get that look? Yeah, how do you get look? I know it's too, it's, you know, some of us might be a little expensive for some of us. I, who but, wore it better? Who wore it better? But I was Let's able see. to find a couple of uh, alternatives online. Um, here you go. You can find these. And these are just like eighteen ninety nine each, and they're uh, available for Halloween. So uh, you can wear the uh, the Che look then. And also, as a special announcement, I've just heard that uh, Ivanka and Eric are doing a special edition uh, action figures uh, for... Oh, look. Look at them, and uh, the, <laughs> in, in, in a tribute to their stepmom's, uh, um, you know, outfits on the uh, the RNC. They'll be available at the MAGA store. At because a they love each other so much. It's and they're in uh, and they're in mission. Uh, <laughs> uh, How were they together, the Noel, outfitters. behind the scenes? They they hate Let's each hear other. A little bit about that. There you go. They hate each other. Ivanka calls Melania the junkie wife. And you saw a little bit of their relationship. Did you, did you see the uh, oh, clip yesterday? I got, got it. Yeah, we can pull it when up. When Ivanka please. passed Melania. Well, think about this. Ivanka said something to Melania. She said something snarky to her. I guarantee you. Because oh. that's what they, like, that's, their, that's how you do it. That's how right, it's done. Exactly. That's how it's exactly. Done. Like that's that. what I saw. Their relationship was very much like just a, the air of politeness, but a cutting little barb. And whatever she said, she sort of wounded Melania because Melania gave that fake smile and then took in the insult. Right. That's what I saw in that moment, having seen them behave like I've that. Seen Melania, I've seen Ivanka in one place, uh, the Emmy Awards once, and she really is, is not a nice person. You know, sometimes they have these kids, they autograph the uh, celebrities, right. autograph their, 
whatever items they have um, outside the uh, outside the Emmy Awards. And she was so rude to all of these kids. Like she was really, really rude to every single one of them. Um, yeah. You know, and I mean, how can you be rude to kids? Um, and that's just, uh, she does not seem like a very nice person at all. She's not. And I told you last time, I mean, she had a five person glam squad that Mark Burnett had to pay for. And she would show up, you know, the glam squad would show up six hours early. She was the only one who got a trailer and it was the longest trailer I've ever seen. Oh. I was like, does he have a sweatshop oh. in there? Like is Will Smith on the show? I mean, literally it was like, it took up half the underground parking lot at the Museum of Natural History. Nobody else, everybody else was piping right, you know? So, so tell me she's, she's tell me about great. Eric. That you mentioned on, and I think you mentioned on Twitter the other day that he is a uh, maybe not Trump's son. Rudy Giuliani. Oh. I, if, take next time, put up a picture of Rudy Giuliani's son who works in the White House, and put up a picture of Eric Trump and put them side by side. Okay? Uh, really? And tell me who tell me who his dad is. Oh, that's like the the Prince Harry experiment, you know, when you look up uh, Prince Harry and, uh, and what was his name? The lover of uh, Princess Diana. So it'll be a similar kind of thing. Yeah. So Giuliani's yeah. son works in the White House. I didn't realize that. That's a whole other oh, yeah. too. He, and, he's oh, yeah. the director of out, outreach to sport teams. Oh, because yeah. <laughs> you need that. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do outreach to Greyhound uh, track racing. <laughs> exactly. High betting. Yeah. I used to work at a publishing company in the 90s, you know, in between TV gigs. And it was basically like a money laundering op for this, you know, mobster. And there'd be dudes named like Rocco who had an office. And I'm like, what does Rocco do? I've never seen him. Oh, he's in shipping. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's in logistics. I'm telling you. Logistics. Everyone's in logistics. He's in logistics. Yeah, like, shut up, kid. You know? So, so Eric, so Giuliani had an affair with with Ivana. Is that what we're meant to believe, or is it with, with uh, Ivana? Yeah, but I mean, I can't prove this. That's speculation. No. But they look the exact same to me, and the two of them were tied at the hip. You know, Donald and, and Rudy. You know, Rudy cleaned out the Italian mob so the Irish, so the Russian mob could move into New York City. Right. You know, right. he's seen as a hero. Oh, there's somebody here. You know, he, <laughs> I think that's somebody who first said right. that. Exactly. So, so they've been business, you know, look at Rudy last night. He's lying. I was in Manhattan the last two days. It's not this hellscape. You know, oh, it's yeah. not escape from New York. Everyone's actually relaxed because the cops have basically disappeared in the, from the harassment crime standpoint, you know, so there is a lot more graffiti, which I happen to like, I think it looks good, but it's, you know, if you listen to Rudy last night, you basically wouldn't make it out of Manhattan if you happened to, you know, drive your car down there. Uh, yeah. I don't want to get too gossipy, but like I did the 9-11 <laughs> memorials for you. Know, it's like too late for that. I did too the, late. You just, you just said the yeah, guy's sorry. dad. Like, yeah. But uh, I did the 9-11 memorials forever from like the, you know, the second year, we, the first year we started doing them until the museum opened was the last one I did. So I would do like the VIP tent. So, you know, we'd have dignitaries come down and read out a name in front of these children, which I watched grow up. You know, they went from toddlers to teenagers in the, you know, 10 years after 9-11 yeah. I did the show. Rudy is the only guy I ever saw come to that and smile. He would come in and smile in the VIP tent. Uh, his just his wife Judith hit on me one morning and she was like giving me the eye and checking me out. And then I, like, I saw that Rudy was aware of it. And she goes, who is that guy? And Rudy's like, he just works at the mayor's office. Like, he's just somebody. And I didn't. But Rudy was just like, God damn you. Why are you always hitting on every, you know? 
I mean, he, he, he was pretty uh, funny. <laughs> he's holding role in 9-11. He's still very much under debate, right? I mean, it's still... Uh, you know, there, there's was, no there, there's no debate about it. The guy right. exploited 9-11. Yeah. First of 100%. all, the, the, we see the, the image of him on 9-11, of he's coming out of this building and there's dust all around him and stuff. Mm -hmm. The only reason that happened is because he unilaterally moved the Office of Emergency Management to 7 World Trade Center which is fucking stupid yep. because that's the place where everybody wanted to attack. The WTC complex is the place where ev the terrorists were going to attack. They'd already attacked it in 93. Rudy went against e what everybody had said and put it there. So basically he was wandering around looking for a spot to make a new um, command center because he didn't listen to the experts, right? right. So, but on TV, the optics were great because, oh my God, it's this guy and he's walking around and isn't he a hero? Exactly. No, he's a fucking moron. And yes, he talked well that day. And yes, he projected calm in this stuff while Bush was um, pretty much AWOL for most of the day. But how many people wouldn't have done that as a mayor of a city? Like, is that really I, mean, that I just can't imagine Rudy would have been a... the one to run into a, a disaster. And, you know, he just not, doesn't strike me as the guy who would actually do that. And he did he that did. day. And I was like, well, why would he, why would he do that? If he's he such didn't. a... Yeah. It, it, it was Greg a, is right. It was a photo op. He mm -hmm. knew that if something happened, it was going to happen down there and he would get the opportunity to walk from City Hall downtown. And just like Greg just described, he would look like a, a hero, a general marching mm -hmm. into battle. And let me say one thing, and, and Greg knows more about this than me, but we lived, I lived downtown after 9-11, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, we moved to 180 East End, which is right across from Gracie Mansion, right after, like after 9-11. And so I, and I lived there for years, but that's across the street from Gracie Mansion. So when Ru I look down into Gracie Mansion, into the driveway from the Oh, that's a good, that's a good view. It's <laughs> a nice, yeah, nice apartment. Um, but uh, so when Rudy w told everybody the air was safe to, to breathe down at ground zero for the months after, we were on the East River. So the winds would change at three in the morning and the bedroom, it was a nice fall. So we would leave the windows open. The bedroom would felt fill up every night with this acrid smoke of burning computers and, and, and other really? horrible things yeah. that you don't want to smell. And I was like, this can't be good for anybody. And I no. would notice that every night when Rudy came back from City Hall, after he told everybody to breathe the air, he would get out of the SUV with a mask on his face. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I noticed it. I was like, he's telling everybody, but he wore a mask into November and December. So, so that's he's interesting because that's, that's, that brings up the mask situation that we're having right now. Um, it seemed remarkable to me that they had so many people in a, in a venue like that Whoa. when there is just, you know, coronavirus is still spreading. And I, and I guess this goes back to Mark Burnett's ability to create a, a myth. But boy, uh, it's that's not a healthy situation. They seem to have, you know, endangered people's lives by all accounts. We haven't seen the results of that yet, but it sure, sure looks like it could have. But Nazis, Nazis don't care if people die. You know, mm -hmm. that's kind of what it means to be that. So, you know, what's the sacrifice of some of a Herman Cain or three if it makes for a really good shot? Why not chop down the cherry trees that, you know, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis planted if we can get a good shot of Melania? Like, let's create this myth. Who cares if somebody, you know, gets the disease? Because I think there's already reports that people have it that were there. Oh, wow. That's, I what, didn't I read, that. that's okay. what I read today. Are yeah. there really? So, I, I mean, I don't know. I saw it on Twitter and I have not verified oh. it, but I saw it. it, it well, maybe everybody's Rudy. crammed in I mean, Rudy's like, also, wipe, wipe one more thing, wait, one more thing his, about the sweat. Wiping it on his girlfriend. It's like, what is he doing? I spent a summer. I lived, his... I lived a summer in DC between junior and senior year of college. And 
August in Washington DC is brutal. It's like yeah. Vietnam jungle. Yeah. It is it's hot and it's humid. And I think last night was one of those nights which you could tell by Rudy sweating like that and Trump probably being tired and feeling it. I'm sure they have stuff blowing on him to cool him down up on the I think they stage. did. I saw an Ivana's yeah. Ivanka's hair was but being blown by a professional fan. It must have been. It wasn't one of the it wasn't an accidental blowing. Yeah. It's yeah. Washington was not good at surveying land in that respect. Now, do they I mean, really think, really not. Sorry, but do they really think that this is going to work on America? Like, does America not? I know people of the coasts don't believe it, but are people in the middle of the country going to believe that everything is is now normal? Because look at that. It, they showed it to us on TV. Mark Burnett showed us on TV that it was normal. Uh, well, that's a great. Uh, that, that's a great departure point for what's what's really going on here and doesn't make any sense because if you know how election years like the, the election engineers work and they you know they know what makes a campaign number mm -hmm. one people vote with their their pocketbooks so i think the 18 percent uh you know unemployment all the i mean yeah we've got the stock market high so what mm -hmm. um people aren't going to work kids can't go to school that is the stuff that cuts through to the real america which is not just in the middle part but you know, same concept. And you can, you know, this, this is how they got into this mess is Mark Burnett. When we weren't talking about his, whatever he did in the Falklands or whatever the hell when he was getting recruited for whatnot, you know, we didn't know that we, we didn't realize Trump. I mean, no one took Trump seriously until it was too late, you know, it was a different media environment. And now we know how deep this goes and they're trying the exact same play because they only have one playbook mm -hmm. and it yeah. isn't the one that fits with the actual American reality. Public. Yeah, you can you, yeah. yeah, you can you can weaponize certain people to go screaming insane Karen or shoot somebody. You can weaponize people like that, but it is really hard to propagandize your way out of somebody who was working forty hours a week with full benefits, now working eleven hours a week. Well, the lights are being shut off. But the, the fear thing right. is what they seem to be striking at, right? They seem to be believing that if they scare America enough, it'll be okay. But they're not scared of scaring them with coronavirus, which is the thing that they should be scared of. They're scaring them with, the, with this, this faux myth of a of a you know black urban uprising that's going to swallow right. up the suburbs. And it it's working. I mean, I grew up in Putnam Valley, you know, northern Westchester, you know, twenty minutes from where I am now. And I went to high school with the children of the people that sort of compromised the first white flight out of Manhattan. You know, the, the Italians and the, the Irish that were like tradesmen and contractors and stuff and moved up into, you know, New York State out of the Bronx, out of Manhattan, out of Queens and Brooklyn. Now those people's children are my age. You know, their children are now in their late 40s and, and 50s. And so they grew up hearing the fear around the kitchen table of like, the city used to be great. And then they let the minorities overrun it. And now it's just this hellhole. And so these kids were already sort of indoctrinated and ripe for that message. Because I see it working. I see people here in Northern Westchester that are just, they're into Trump. And they're buying the, the propaganda. They're the scared. They, they really are scared. You work, you work, right. you work, exactly. You think your house, their three hundred and fifty or $500,000 house is... That's most of what you have on this planet. So if you think it's going to lose a property value and, and somebody's going to come and attack your children and you're already inclined to be racist and your whole world has already sort of been white and that's always been the unspoken rule of the New York area is that the minorities stay in the inner city and we get the suburbs now. 
It really does right. feel like but, that's uh, working. I mean, it does. And that with the semiotics of well, last let, night, let, let, it, it does feel yeah, like let, it's going to still have an, an impact at least. Maybe not working completely, but having it, an impact. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I Go think ahead, it has an impact. I, I want to say this. So I'm in one of those weird pockets too in on a in a on a coast but it's it's you know it's a moneyed environment and um it actually ends up being kind of conservative in an area that the money environments typically are not but they are here i mean that's sort of a horse country area so um here's here's where i think the rubber meets the road with all of this so it is it is going to work and we do need to pay attention and i and i hope that uh, that the protesters, uh, the folks that are willing to put themselves out on the street and get out there and keep pushing and pushing and pushing for um, equality and rights and are, are on these social issues that really do need um, to be highlighted, I think, with civil, um, you know, showing with protesting, with marching. I, yeah. I do believe in that. Hang on to the light. Hang on to daylight is what I would say. For, for those folks, it, let them have the dark, let the dark be for the other folks, but keep your stuff in the daylight. Um, that's going to be very, very meaningful and impactful. And there's a, a sim symbolism to that and an importance to that. Outside of that, this whole thing with the semiotics and the, and the, you know, the false narratives and, you know, Donald Trump and all his kids getting up there and saying, this is Biden's America. It's like, no, this is your America, fuckers. You're in, you're in there. Like this is all happening under your watch, and you're not you're all powerful, and yet you can't bring this to a stop. It's just getting worse, and this is your big thing. And it actually starts to fall apart it around does. all of that. And when you when you're just sort of saying, well, it doesn't. We're going to just keep lying, which which is what the Trump whole thing is. We're just going to lie. So just on something basic like this. His ratings were way lower than Joe's, with, mm. than the Democratic National Convention. We had better ratings, way better ratings. Donald's were down. But he's going to say, we had better ratings. He's going to pronounce that he did. Well, that might work with your base of like, because they don't really care and they're not paying attention. But the reality is, actually, no, you didn't. People aren't paying attention to your message in the same way they're paying attention to Joe's. Now, what, was the, what were the ratings so, like in the swing states is really the question that, to be asking because right. the swing states is you know are not are not the coast and there's a very different sentiment around that and we look at what's been going on in kenosha over the last few nights it certainly looks to to anyone um like you know maybe it wasn't targeted at uh, at wisconsin but it could be targeted at wisconsin um you know that is the swing the swingiest of swing states and uh, you know if those kind of events happen on a local level it certainly amps up the the fear in in in, it in those, does, in those but areas. I, even in that, I think folks are really clearly seeing what's going on and figuring it out. It's very obvious now. Um, and this is not to say to sit back and just say, "Oh, it's all going to be okay." Remember that in 2016, there was a there wasn't a there wasn't the turnout that we actually needed, and that we must have this time just even for Democratic registered voters. And everyone needs to really pay attention to their status as a voter. Make sure that your registration hasn't been messed with. Make sure they're not using the census to screw around with you as a registered voter. There's all kinds of weird tricks going on. Everyone needs to be clear about, am I registered? Is it? Am I good? Am I going to be able to vote? And figure out the best way for you to vote based on what state you live in 
so that you know that your vote is going to be counted. Um, that's, that's super important right now, and that's where big focus should be. And the other big fo focus should be actually on something that we've all been doing all week. Um, you got to give to Joe and Kamala. You have to give to that campaign. They really are going to need every single penny. Um, and, and that is something important we can do. These are actions we could take. And then, Eric, you had an amazing action this morning that you put out. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was great. And I can't yeah. get everything so loaded up that. here. So you're going to tell people about it. I'll add it in, in editing but, later but on. They need to do. <clears throat> yeah. We need to be in action now. We're all talking, 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 tweeting, yeah. tweeting, tweeting. That's all great. But we here's specific measurable things that you can go out and do. And that's where everyone needs to be. They need to be get shifted you, in that you, mode you now. Now we're about, in the action mode. You mean complain go. about the, the Hatch Act? Yes. <laughs> that, 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 yes. That, thing. that was, that was uh, a good that idea. Was, First of all, that came from Andrew Rose Gregory, one of the, the fabulous Gregory brothers who make all sorts of amazing viral musical content for years on YouTube. Just some of my favorite, my favorite musical family. And he's an awesome guy. And he's the one who's like, pity the poor people at the Hatch Act unit, which opens in 13 minutes. And I was like, I've got an idea because I, I lived in DC and I know, like, for example, uh, if you don't think that your, um, that your, your, your elected official cares, they have a whole matrix for how to value you sending them an email, you making a phone call, you writing a letter, and you showing up in person at one of their offices, including the one in Washington or the one back at the local office. When you show up with shoe leather, dress nicely, please, be polite, but, and when you like write a letter, they consider the will of somewhere between 50 and 500 voters. When you take the time to go, I'm thinking this. They know very intelligently that there's many, many, many more people who would not do right. that, but think the exact same way. When you create a record in the federal system, the bureaucracy is amazing. Um, and uh, one of my mentors, Very Coates, wife of my dear mentor, Joe Coates, she used to say, when everyone is complaining about bureaucracy, she'd go, bureaucracy, savior of civilization. And it kind of sounded snarky, and it wasn't. No, and we know it now, yeah. just absolutely. The same thing that slows you down at the DMV is what slowed Trump down. And they would have loved to rip apart the Department of Labor to tear apart the Veterans Administration entirely, to take out the FBI. And they couldn't. It's too slow. But here's the thing. When you put your two cents in, when you file a Hatch Act complaint, a real one, here's the form. And it's not, it's not that hard. Here's the form. Who'd you see? Where'd you see it? What they do? Here's five checkboxes because this is what the statute says. There's all kinds. And you don't of have stuff to have like been that. there. You could have just seen it on TV. Uh, you know, we we, on TV happened right. Mark, in front thank of us. you, Mark Burnett. So every single person <laughs> who watched that show could. Oh, that'll be fantastic. Thank you, <laughs> so everybody basically could do this. Okay, and there's all these violations. Yeah, there's probably like. Right, and we're gonna everybody. We're gonna put all this on our Twitter yeah. accounts right off. Of it's very hard to do this live in a show. But I was going to try to put some stuff in Periscope. I'll see if I can. I don't know. But just go to our go to our handles, go to our Twitter accounts um, right after this show, and we're going to re-up this. What you can do with the Hatch Act. We're going to re-up the link to donate to to Joe and Kamala. This is this is sort of our push this week is to get you in the mode as an audience at all the Republic of thinking they're actually stuff I can do. Go <laughs> register. Get mm -hmm. on top of your registry. Like we just need to all be in action.
That's, and especially that's in, in swing states. I mean, I'm still focused on the swing states because I think yep. that's where, you know, if you, if you know anyone who lives there uh, or doesn't live there but can vote there, it's really important to get them to vote there because I think there's that is still going to be very close. No matter how you slice it, every time I look at the um, opinion polls out of those states, it's still quite close. Not as close as it was uh, in 2016, not, not even close to that. Um, and some, some states like Kansas might be up for play. Who knows? Um, North Carolina looks Alaska like it could be. Alaska is. Yeah. It re- yeah. No. North Carolina is, looks Texas like it could be flipping. For God's sake. But Texas it doesn't guarantee, is. well, I don't know if Texas will flip, flip, but we'll see. Could be. It's, could it's, be. We'll it's closer than it's, it's ever been in yeah. my life. It's not amazing. Um, it could be an incredible sweep. It could be amazing if they're able to it's pull It's going to be an ass kicking. Can I? Can I say something about fear now, Zev? Yeah. Is it, is it time? Fear, fear I, is okay. good to talk about. <laughs> I, I just want to point out, I think that I felt this week, and I know that most people on our side felt fear and anxiety and stress. And we've, you know, we've felt this all along. We've felt this for the last three and a half years. But this week, it was more acute. I felt it. And I know that people in my universe felt it. It was almost like a cosmic metaphysical force of fear. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Trump had his little um, fascist uh, uh, palooza this week. I think this week um, was designed, that event that we, actually, I didn't watch it. I just I just read Noel's tweets about it. It was much more interesting. Um, I don't watch a second of that fucking shit. But the the fact that it was even happening and I was aware that it was happening uh, filled me with dread, honestly, because that's the one time that they have the platform that they can look in the cameras and create this reality. Mm. And the day that Trump spoke, the hurricane was coming. There was terrible weather here in upstate New York. There thunderstorms and weird clouds and all this kind of stuff. Uh, My my 14-year-old said... Oh, on TikTok, this is a day of manifestation and all this weird shit is going to happen. Really? And, da, 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 da. and it, it seemed to be this cosmic China. pitch and moment yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to yesterday for whatever reason. And then, uh, you know, it's over. And I swear, I woke up this morning and I felt like so much better, like a weight had been lifted. Mm. And the reality is that it had because that was their best shot last night. That right. was the time that all of the networks were going to show their little fucking bullshit without any or much filter. And they can't do that anymore. It's over. We survived it. The ratings sucked. Um, yes, it looked good. Yes, the, the, the military you know, outfit was very um, final five minutes of the last episode of The Hunters that Melania had. Very cool, you know, chic and this and that. But the message was bullshit. And Zev, I need to correct you from something you said at the top of the show. Yeah. It's not make America great again. It's make America great again Again, Again. <laughs> yes. Which is called. Is that mind. really the slogan? I didn't see that on the. That's uh, what fucking Mike Pence said it. He oh, said it that's what he said it. I didn't he see it on the poster. Oh, I missed it. A straight oh, I missed that. Face. Oh, Make that America great again. Again. Oh, you know? amazing, it's amazing. Like Final tap tonight. I'm gonna rock you tonight. You yeah. know, it, it makes no sense. And like, if you can't, <laughs> if you can't penetrate that, if you can't make the leap. Hey, wait! Isn't America supposed to be great already? Because these guys are—I there's no hope for you. Right. But I think that people do know, and I know that this week has been rough on people emotionally and yeah. psychologically, and it's a fucking psyop. And we survived the psyop. Yeah. That's what I want to say. We survived it, yes. and now it's all I mean, fucking downhill for that guy. I, Fuck I mean, you, Trump. And his speech was yes. terrible. Oh. Yay! 
Good. Well said. Very well said. Well said. Um, you know, I did think that, that that whole thing that happened in, in uh, Kenosha was meant to be act, to play out differently. I'm not saying it was planned or anything like that because I have no idea that it was. But, you know, the, the, the sparking of tension and the, uh, the shooting of protesters, I think uh, at least they were going to capitalize on it differently into, into Trump's speech on Thursday. Uh, and then they didn't or maybe couldn't because the speech because uh, the the 17-year-old teenager was uh, was um, arrested. Now, it's a little conspiratorial, I get that, but it's more, you know, when you look at how these events have been constructed elsewhere in the world, we have these psyops, but they also are actual provocation um, events that happen on the ground. It's not out of the realm of, of reality that something like that could have been um, not, not created, but at least um, an environment in which that could happen would have been fostered. Um, and it certainly feels like that uh, Kenosha uh, militia, you know, was was looking for some trouble if it were on that day. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we're going to keep our eyes on it. I think just to round that out for you, it's, it absolutely is an expectation of, uh, you know, they're, they're drumming up the optics that they want to run the propaganda that they've already got in the can, right? Like they have their phrases, they have their... I love what Dan Rather said. I think it was today. Like, so wait a minute. <laughs> da- where Donald Trump's re-election strategy, his messages, re-elect Donald Trump so that he can save America from Donald Trump's America. It's like, it's like, <laughs> this is what he said. It's true. But, but if you think about it, that's what's going on. But they have, you know, they have their shit together. They have, they have their, they get their memes ready and they get their semantics ready. They've tested it. And then, the, and then. It's not so much to, I don't think it's that conspiratorial to, uh, because we have seen this, you know, this is what Paul Manafort did in the Ukraine. This is what he did. And Facebook, Facebook overlooked the Kenosha militant, you know, militia, militia group yeah. page that was a call to action and said, get your guns and get over there and save this country. You know, mm-hmm. somehow right. that was flagged a bunch of times, but Facebook overlooked it. A bunch of Facebook employees are pissed off at Mark Zuckerberg tonight, but it you stayed up started. there. Right. And, and it did the damage it was intended to do. A dude it and did. his mom got their guns and went there and murdered two people and blew somebody else's arm off, you know. But because it was yeah. discovered they, they and the way it was, I, don't I think, think it, they, they ended up counterplaying against their, their, their narrative yesterday. Go ahead. I don't right. think that they... They depended on the, or, or they thought that the sports teams would react the way that they did. Right. So shout yeah, out to the NBA and the Milwaukee right. Bucks. Yes. The Milwaukee Bucks, who are the best team in the NBA and are from the state of Wisconsin, decided almost spur of the moment to just, um, it's called a wildcat strike. It's not a boycott to just be like, now oh, fuck it, we're not playing. And they, that was the domino and it tipped all this stuff. And the NBA, as the corporation that is the NBA, went all in you know, allowed the players to postpone the games. If you tuned in on TNT, um, Kenny the Jet Smith, who, who's a longtime guy in the studio, walked out in solidarity. And Chris Weber, um, always one of my favorite players, gave, you know, I think an off-the-cuff almost, it seemed like, mm. uh, talk for like 10, 15 minutes that was really great that you can watch on, on YouTube. And then, I mean, the NBA is is progressive and liberal relative to the sports leagues, but the fucking baseball games got postponed. The baseball, baseball players. Baseball it doesn't get more conservative. Even, get. Wow. even football yeah. isn't as conservative as baseball. What so like play, that though? had real meaning. And well well said. And play. can I just say yeah. I, I worked on All Star Game weekends. You know, I worked on the big, you know, the halftime show at the NBA All Star Game for like thirteen years. 
And like Greg said, the NBA is progressive and they're like a family and they're smarter. You know, NFL is like a bunch of mobs. Like the Super Bowl is just like a mob run. You know, they don't care about anything but money. You know, obviously it's gladiators, but you know, the NBA is hip and smart and they, and I think that they're leading. I think like Greg just said, it's spilling. The NHL canceled their games today. I really didn't know that either. That's what I heard. It took them a while, but the the NBA right. also. But, yeah, but even the NHL, I mean, that's the as white as it gets, right? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, even the the guy with the but the NBA announced today that the arenas, the NBA arenas that the, they play in, are going to be voting voting sites. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, and and those arenas are, are all in inner cities, mostly. They're mostly they downtown. They're mostly downtown, right. right? Strategic location, a wonderful location, and a hard location to intimidate voters, which, as mm. we know, it's, Trump has already attempted to do by sending the military and law enforcement. Yeah. To I think check we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of militias and and, and people on the ground intimidating in voters, and you're going to get a lot of, and you are going to get delays in in ballots being counted and ballots being uh, voted, and people aren't going to not going to find their names registered when they get to the polling stations. It's just the reality of of the world we're going to be living in. There's going to be a huge effort to suppress the vote. Uh, and that, that is not me in a sense. Vote early, vote, vote early, early, vote early. Have a plan early, vote and early, check. Vote early. A, lot of t- a lot of places you can check to see if you if your ballot has actually arrived at its, at its location. So you can, right. you can track it. I want to ask you about Mary Trump, um, uh, Noel, because she has been quite remarkably effective, I think, not only by selling her book, but also in the way she's found her way into the, the news cycles, whether it's through the New York Times or through her various interviews that she's doing. She's been very effective. And she strikes me as sort of the, the, probably the only normal Trump, but it must, it must be sticking at them that, uh, that she's out there saying all these things and the timing she's had. A hundred percent. I think she's really effective. I think normal Trump, she's the only smart Trump, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. she's educated, she's intelligent, she's a great writer, you know, and she, she is being effective, you know, Mm -hmm. and she was brought into the thing a little bit. I think she was at one of the White House dinners when he was newly elected. And she said she hoped he would normalize himself or the office would normalize him. And when she saw it wasn't, she wrote that book. They're ignoring her completely because they have no they have no answer to that, you know, mm. especially the Marion Trump tapes that were just released last Saturday. Mm. You know, they're dead to rights and 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 they can't exploit her. You know, Robert Trump, Donald didn't talk to him for 30 years. You Are know, you he fired him in Atlantic City. Well, he was at one or two events in recent years, but he fired him a long time ago and they never talked. You know, he used his oh, dad. That. They sounded like they were like really, really Best close. friends. Yeah, no, no they yeah, weren't. No, he stopped talking to him 30 years ago. Robert when, Trump lived when Fred in died. fear. When Fred died. Right, he, right, he lived in fear of his, you know, older brother who was a bully. Robert was like a sensitive guy who wasn't even, who was kind of well-liked around town. He, he, you know, he passed away from a disease that they're in denial about. It wasn't COVID. You know, he passed away from the family disease, so to speak. And, oh, and really? his his struggles with alcoholism were no secret up in Millbrook where he basically lived in exile for the last 10 years. And he was part owner of a restaurant. So he'd walk up to people's tables slurring and drunk. And it was real kind of pathetic scene, Mm. you know, in the last few years and then complications, you know, led to his demise. And then Trump used a photo op to go to his hospital bed, you know, and then took his body from the New York area, you know, he's probably going to be buried in Woodlawn or wherever, the, you know, the family plot, and shipped it down to the White House to have this send off, you know, and invited the press so they could wave at the casket being put in the hearse and driven away. Think about that. This is a guy who owns a club 
in Bedminster. Mm. He could have had a private ceremony that nobody could have been at at his own club in Jersey and driven the body 40 miles up to Queens to be buried. That's what anybody with a means and tact and class would do. Trump's like, no, right, ship it down it. here. Mm. You know, let he me do it as a prop for the RNC week. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's no, that's what I mean. So I, 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 I say that because that's a normal Trump family relationship. Sons, daughters, brothers, sisters are seen as how they can serve Trump in the family narrative of keeping the criminal enterprise afloat. And Mary shot through that with a silver bullet. Yeah. You know, whether it's effective or not, she's the first person to say, this guy's a maniac and he's been a maniac since he was a little kid. And, and Marion's audio, if you heard like, hey, he's an idiot. I had to drive him around to every school. He couldn't take his test. That's how they all talk about him. Jared and Ivanka would make fun of the fact he couldn't read right. on The Apprentice. You know, they, they project this image that they're all tight. They're not. Tiffany Trump, I didn't know there was a Tiffany Trump. My job was to take care of the Trump family. <laughs> oh, hi. Who are you? I, yeah, I didn't. Didn't you Donald I, I didn't Trump know, know, the, not know there was a Tiffany Trump at some point or didn't know there was yeah. one Trump when some, in the Mary's book? She, is she there, wasn't is on The Apprentice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She yeah. wasn't camera ready in his mind. So it was like when in 2016, I was like, oh, my God, there is a Tiffany. I forgot about her. But... <laughs> I think Mary's just impacting so much because I do think people are buying her book. I mean, she sold a lot of books, and I think it's because she's yeah. a Trump, people believe her uh, in exactly. in the middle of the country. I should say, you know, yeah. Yeah. and why wouldn't you believe her? Um, and the things she's saying are as blunt and as direct as as Obama was. You know, we are facing the uh, the possible end of democracy. That this is not uh, this is not yeah. child's play. That if he wins again the likelihood of another election, a democratic election, is just not very likely. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone sort of has to sense that and feel that. And to, to Greg's point about the fear, that is the fear, ultimately. I mean, I think it's real fear. And it's ironic to me that he is out there saying we're, he's protecting freedom. And the way by which he's protecting freedom is by knocking down or locking down on law and order which is not really the antithesis of freedom. Um, you know, so just to meander a little bit there, there's a, um, I don't even know where I'm getting at, but they, uh, the, the reality of the situation is that there's a, this fear is, is real, but the fear is about the end of democracy. And I think that we're all right. terrified well, those are that the that states. is coming I to think, an end. Right. Yeah, and let's use, Ambassador let's use the term. Let's use the term. It? Let's just, yeah, let's just use the term. I just want to get this turn and then I want to hear it. No, the, it's about the stakes. And so if we keep putting that word in there, like what are the stakes, what are the stakes, what are the stakes, and get everybody real comfortable with realizing these are real stakes. And we all have um, some responsibility for allowing um, uh, uh, the conservative media bubble and the liberal media bubble for years lob at the other side, right? Of like, oh my God, it's gonna be the end of democracy if George Bush gets elected again. Oh my God, it's gonna be the end of democracy if, if Barack Obama gets elected again. So we've cried wolf where we should never have cried wolf because we never could conceive it actually, oh shit, it actually would be the end of democracy. And now we have all these leaders, we have everybody coming out that knows, that knows, that would never say these things. They're not pundits on some cable news host, whatever, horseshit. This is the former presidents. This mm. is heads of intelligence agencies mm. coming out and saying, this is other world leaders coming out and saying, these are the stakes. These mm. are the stakes of this election. It really is the last election for democracy if you vote this guy back in because he is a fascist. Mm. He's a mobster. 
Mm. He's a mobster, everybody. This is a criminal. This is not criminal of like you think other people, oh, well, but George Bush was a war criminal. Fuck you. No, this is something mm. else. This is something different altogether. <laughs> this is something entirely different. Get yeah. your head out of Glenn, Glenn Greenwald's ass and, and look at the fucking <laughs> shit going on. Right? This yeah. is the end of democracy. It's the end of NATO. It's the end of the NATO alliance. It's the it's the end of all of the shit that's kept the world from from massive fratricide in Europe, from from uh, from these horrid regimes, from taking getting their hooks into us in ways that we could not get them out of when it comes to uh, the the second economy and and criminal enterprises. This is everything. These are human rights are on the line. Oh my God! Get this motherfucker out of there! Right? Those are the stakes. Democracy is at stake. Mm. All the history of us whining and complaining about that, and and hair on fire, and Karl Rove rolling around on the floor about Obama's second term. That was all horseshit. This is the real deal. This is it. Yep. Yep. We're in. We're in a countdown now uh, to to this Here election, we, and everyone's got to rise no- up former presidents at the Republican National Convention. In fact, there were no Republicans right. of any great note, uh, you know, at the no. Republican National Convention. Everyone seemed to boycott it. It was just his family. Right. And if that doesn't tell That's you right. that, that there's no uh, party structure behind him, there's no party structure behind him. There wasn't even a policy platform. There wasn't, there's nothing there except him. And that's uh, that's the really scary part right. is that he, once yeah. he gets elected, that's it. It's him. That's it. What, it's a family. About- it's a family. It's a monarchy. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. About the stakes. I mean, just what you were saying about the stakes, LB. I, I think people don't realize, I, I, in my job, I write a lot of history stuff and study a lot of history. The, the American experiment is so rare and precious, and it's an anomaly historically mm-hmm. to have, especially the last 50 years, my lifetime, to have no big wars to have no want, really. I mean, we have, obviously, people are suffering and this and that, but as a society, we're in really good fucking shape. It, it, you have to go back to the only analogous time was in the Roman Empire, if you were a Roman citizen and Antonius Pius was the emperor during that time period. That was 2,000 years ago. To, to be in a period that we enjoy here, especially in the United States, but in the Western quote-unquote world, of relative peace and prosperity. And it's so fragile. It's fragile. Mm-hmm. It's so fragile. And, you know, it's that's it. It's really, really fucking fragile. And that's what we're feeling now. And you can see the historians yeah. know. The historians have been sounding the alarm bells yes. for years, and they know. Yes. Um, I mean, not, not the eminent historian Dinesh D'Souza, of course, but all <laughs> other historians know. Um, Dinesh. He's my guy. Yeah. Like, go-to guy. guy historical. <laughs> yeah, but real historians who actually know stuff know how fragile this is. And once it's gone, it's like it's like COVID. It's like mm. if you don't nip it in the bud, you're fucked. And this is yeah. the moment. Yeah. If we don't get this guy out now, exactly. you know, next year at this time, we'll probably all be in prison. Zev, you'll be okay. You're, I you're know. Out. Exactly. Be, we're we're going to have to I, leave. I, this is Wait, the first. No, of... I want no to weigh in on that. Okay, actually. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I can't improve. That. I can't improve upon what you guys said. But to back it up, Martin McFall, Ambassador McFall, had a series of tweets or a thread today. They call it, and he said, you know, they call it like you guys don't get that. But uh, 
He said, you know, a lot of the people in in Russia had wished they had acted sooner, Mm. had acted sooner. You know, Putin Putin was sort of democratically elected the first time. And they're like, he's not going to get that bad. You know, when he started consolidating power and and putting his buddies in charge of things and sort of selling off the, you know, the country to oligarchs, they were kind of like, well, it's probably going to work out. And in hindsight, they all wished they had acted sooner. And Mm. we're seeing the same stuff you know, now, as Greg so eloquently just said, and, 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 and LB, and here's the thing, like, Putin, as, as, as devious as he is, is, is mild mannered and sane compared to Trump. The thing you can't underestimate about Trump is that he's a sadist. He's a guy who got off on beating up little girls. He's a guy who ripped his own wife, the mother of his children's hair out, because he didn't like the plastic surgeons she had sent him to to get a scalp reduction. So he he ripped her hair out and and committed a sex crime upon her. You know, he's a rageful guy. I know that's rough stuff to say, but that's who this guy is. He's a guy who only feels good if other people are suffering. So he's very happy right now because there's a lot of chaos. And all he's ever done in his whole life is break things. Mm. That's all he's ever done. He destroyed Atlantic City. He destroyed casinos. That's the real message of Mary Trump's book is, look, this guy isn't like some greedy guy. This guy's a bad seed who mm. everything he touches dies, you know, as, as Rick Wilson says. And, and I think that that's a new wrinkle. You know, I say like, he's like a Pol Pot type guy. You know, you look, let's, let's take the wall for example, and I'll shut up. He, he, he asked for it to be painted black. They pushed back and then they, they relented. So at the very least, the wall is now painted black. Right. So if you touch it, you're going to burn and scald your hands. Right. You know, he wanted to put a moat around it and fill it with with live alligators. You know, he wanted to put razor sharp wire on it and spikes. He has that's blood not, lust. He has yeah, exactly, blood that's my lust. point. That, he, there's something wrong with that guy. And yeah. anyone who's known him since a little kid has known that. He's a sadist. He's somebody who kicks animals. He's just a bad dude. And, and I'll shut up, but I always say, like, if he had grown up poor in the Bronx, he would have never made it to 20 years old because mm. somebody in the neighborhood would have taken him out. You wouldn't get away with being that sadistic and sort of violent in a cowardly way unless you were wealthy and white and had a father who was protected you and conducted to the mob. You he know, has so, completely so, no empathy. Like you can see there's not, no empathy in anything he says. And, you know, it doesn't matter that he's 170,000, 180,000. And even to his, uh, to his own family, when he was making those sort of forced remarks yesterday about how much he loved his family or about Robert or, you know, it was just all hollow. There was nothing real in any of it. It was just him just saying words that were written for him on a page. Uh, and that is terrifying, really terrifying yeah. to think of a US president without any empathy. Um, there's a lot at stake, there's no doubt about that uh, in the next election. Go ahead, sorry, did you want to jump in there? No, something right. just popped into my head. and I, You know how some, there's been so much news and stuff in the last four years, but this has always bothered me and I just want to, I want to circle back to it. In one of the debates in 2016, they asked, some fucking asshole asked Hillary and Trump each to say something nice about the other person. Mm. Oh, yeah, this bothered me too. Uh, yeah. And fucking Hillary, not fucking Hillary, dear Hillary, St. Hillary, mm. had to come up with something nice to say about this guy for whom nothing nice can be said. Mm. Right. And she and said I he, thought, was, he was a good father. He's a good kids. dad or something. Yeah, yeah. he's he, yeah, he 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 a good dad. Which is fucking which yeah. hor- horrified me because I'm like, oh my God, even you are buying this fucking 
horse shit about these kids. This oh, Uze I don't think she was buying it. I think that was the only thing she could think to say. I right. think I think that of all the preparedness oh. that Hillary had, that question flummoxed her because there is no answer. There's nothing nice about this guy. Exactly. He is. Well, he has said, he's yeah. a statist. Yeah. He's a mobster. He's a fucking rat. He would. He would yeah, throw Ivanka. He would throw Ivanka, his his beloved, into the wood chipper to avoid prison. This sure. guy, right? He's fucking scum. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Abomination is the word you he use. Is. No, he's a and bad seed. Yeah. And, and what they did to the yeah. White House yesterday was just astonishing. I mean, you're not meant to have, obviously, political events there. But the way they did it, the over-the-top <laughs> way me. they did it, the just, you know, those those logos everywhere, the the, the Trump fireworks that went off, it's just so gross and so tacky. And all the, the, the expensive clothes and the, I mean, we're having a, an economic crisis in America. We're having a pandemic in America. And they're spending $3,000 on, on a lime green dress. You know, and it's like, what is going on with this? How out of touch is this family and how tacky is this family that no one is even willing to come there and endorse them? Like no one was there to endorse him at all other than his family and his, you know, Kellyanne Conway. and I don't think they want people there to, I mean, as much as he wants celebrity and he's, oh, you guys have no idea how much this guy fucking wants the celebrities mm. to love him. It's mm. really bad. No one can talk about that too. But I don't. I don't. I think they just want it to be about them all the time. I think that he just yeah. wants his family. It's him and his family, not because he loves his family, but because they're representations of him. It's like here's me and me version uh, 1.2.0, 3.0, 4.0. Me, 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 us. There she is. That's it. <laughs> there she is. There she is, Goya. He had to cancel the CEO of Goya was oh, going to speak at the RNC and then didn't. Um, so. I, I her Vancouver hotel got shut down today. That was Ivanka's project. Her her was. project was her projects were Baku, uh, Panama, and Vancouver. And Vancouver's done. And that was wait, wait, can, you, can you say that again? I, I can't hear you over the the playing of the violin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Look at her. Uh, oh, she's so. And I'm so glad, Noel, that you put out a tweet today about like go listen to her old tapes. She does not talk. That is not her real voice. She's she uses that bedroom voice. It's like right, someone right. from <laughs> from a sex line or something. Like it gave her some coaching yeah. on this is how well, you talk they, to your father. They gave Tiffany the same training. If you notice this yeah. week, Tiffany had Ivanka's voice. You know the soft sibilant yeah. s's. That's how in her real life she's. It's an octave lower, and she sounds like she's from Queens. She actually slipped into her normal voice a little more last night. I think she made a conscious choice, like I'm going to be a more forceful speaker. But and that's all a, a put on to help her dad, you know, to, to manipulate her dad. And she would do it on yeah. set. She would be like, hello, father, you know, with the sibling mm. cooing. And then she'd come back. He's going to do it. It's you so know, like literally it was like, whoa, you know, it's like it's a, they're all oh. acting. It's all they're all playing their own roles. And Jared, you know, we don't have time to get into this, but Jared's got his own agenda oh. in this mix. And it's just all it's all insanity. It's it's Game of Thrones. It is know? Game of Thrones, and uh, we're all the uh, the but bit the players. Porn version. Yeah. It's like porn yeah. star Game of or, or or like cheap porn Game of Bones. Game of, uh, Game of Bones. <laughs> I'll leave you with this one image. So here's a Barack Obama in the, I think it was 2012, um, White House Correspondents Dinner, where uh, Donald Trump was, was a guest at that oh, dinner. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, there was rumor that, you know, Trump was about to run for president and uh, Obama, the coolest way ever, does this. Uh, you know, this is what the White House will look like. And you see the image of what the White House would look like in, as Obama projected oh a God. Trump presidency would look like. That. And so you've got the, you know, the gilded collars, the co columns, and then the uh, the giant chandelier and the, what does it say, the Trump White House uh, presidential suite above it in this tacky uh, architecture, two golf players in the front. And, you know, if, Oh, and she did. Forward. She put a lawn in. I mean, she Melania turned the Rose Garden into a lawn a for lawn. $60 million. I don't think the $60 million is true, by the way. I, I looked into it today. I don't, think, I, I don't think it was $60 million, but it, it could have oh, been a, a significant amount, I'm sure. Sake. But, you know, that's what we got last uh, last night and throughout the week was a, just a, a gross, tacky, over-the-top propaganda campaign on top of one of our most pressure precious and uh, prized possessions. You know, we love that White House. It has seen so much history. And as they, you know, rip out so much of it from the, whether it's just the Rose Garden or or whatever else they're doing inside, there's just always a, a feeling that they're just soiling the place. Um, and uh, yeah. it's time to get them out. It really is time to get them out. Well said. Thank you. And thanks for joining us, Noel. It's been great having you back on. You'll Hopefully you'll come back Always. on again. Uh, it's Anytime. terrific to have you here. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and download. Mm -hmm.